Behind the Bite podcast is part of a network of podcasts that are good for the world. Check out podcasts like the Full of Shit podcast, After the First Marriage podcast, and Eating Recovery Academy over at practiceofthepractice.com backslash network. Welcome to Behind the Bite podcast. This podcast is about the real life struggles women face with food, body image, and weight. We're here to help heal, inspire, and create better, healthier lives. Welcome. Well, everyone, welcome to the show. So just a reminder that if any of you have a question you want me to answer on the show, please, please send them on over. And you know what? You can actually send me a voice message. You can actually just go to my website, BehindTheBitePodcast.com, because there is a new voice inbox where you can leave me a voice message. And it's actually really great. So go check it out. So questions. I got a question recently from a listener who asked me if there is a reason to go see a nutritionist or dietitian when she's pretty much already memorized the calorie count for each and every food she eats anyway. So first, I want to acknowledge that some of you may have just gotten triggered by the word calorie. And that's completely understandable if you're struggling with an eating disorder right now. So that being said, please take care of yourself and know your limits because in this podcast, that word will come up. So if you need to turn off this week's episode for that reason, please go do so. And secondly, I'm going to respond to the question asked by saying that this is a very common question. So People do think that the only thing they need to know about food is the amount of calories it has. But there is so, so much more food, so much more to food than just the calories. And so, yes, there are many reasons to go see a nutritionist or dietitian. And so, lucky for all of you, today's guest just so happens to be a registered nutritional therapist and can not only answer your question, but is here to discuss so much more with us today. And I am so excited to welcome Uta Bollinger, who is coming to us from the UK and is also a lecturer who specializes in helping busy women balance their hormones, feel re-energized, and improve their relationship with food. Well, Uta, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, so for people who are listening who don't know anything about you, I know I give a bit of an intro, but um, would you mind sharing a little bit about how you got into, you know, being a nutritionist and doing what you're doing? Because your, you know, your posts on Instagram are fantastic. And um, I just kind of want you to have a moment to share with us, like how you got here and who you are. Yeah, and I'd be happy to. Um, So yeah, I uh, really have been interested in nutrition probably my whole life, but I don't think that I even knew that that was something you could do as a career um, until I was in my 30s. Um, So I had a whole different sort of background in working in the corporate world, um, manager in financial services. um, And then I was 32 when I decided to go back and study nutrition for three years. Um, And I did that whilst uh, still working full-time and being a single parent to a 12-year-old at the time. So um, that was an exciting journey, (laughs) interesting, interesting journey, I should say. (laughs) Um, But so, so worth it. Uh, So, so worth it. So I've now been running my own clinic for the past two and a half years. Um, I also um, do some lecturing and I'm a clinical supervisor and uh, I work with the fertility clinic. I do talks um, in the corporate world and also in the sports world um, and absolutely love it. Like um, I think I just posted something on my stories on Instagram yesterday about how I just feel it's so rewarding when you can help people with their health. And I'm just so grateful, like every day that I decided to go and do this. Um, and it wasn't easy at the time, but I'm so grateful that I did it and so grateful to be here every day and just working with people on their health and well-being. 
helping people with whether it's you know fertility mental health athletic performance um you know all their relationship with food um all of those things i just absolutely love and um yeah my friends will you know would probably say that i never really stop talking about food and nutrition which <laughs> i'm sure they don't always appreciate but hey here we are <laughs> at least i've kind of found my passion and my purpose in life <laughs> how it is if you find your passion it's just kind of everything that you talk about and it, it I mean obviously I'm even looking at you I know the audience can't see you but it's like even if you're talking you just look so passionate about it so <laughs> thank you um but what I mean what a great journey I know that sounds like you know I'm a single mom too I I get that it's hard right like trying to do it all so congratulations to you for getting through that and and here um but, you know, you said something really important, which is the health and wellness part of this. And, you know, um, I think a lot of times when I have people come to me and they say, oh, they want to go see a nutritionist, they only have one thing in mind. They say, oh, I want to go learn how to lose weight or I want to ask them, like, what's the best diet? And I even get asked that question. I don't know what they think I do for, you know, my career as an eating disorder specialist, but like, which, what's the best diet, which one were, actually works. And um, I'm just curious, do you find that people just tend to think that's all you do? Absolutely. And it's so frustrating <laughs> at times, you know, but I get it because, you know, I do understand, you know, the diet industry, like they've done a fantastic job with advertising over the last sort of 50 years and, you know, brainwashing people into thinking that's all that matters. Um, and so, yes, I definitely do find people um, when I say I'm a nutritionist asking me that question. Um, and to be fair, when I first graduated and I started my clinic, I got so many people, you know, asking me about weight loss that initially that is, you know, one of the areas that I kind of specialized in because I just thought, oh, well, that, that's what people want. You know, that's what I'm going to give them. Um, that didn't last very long because, you know, I didn't feel it just didn't really like, I didn't feel as passionate about it and it didn't, it didn't click with me and I just didn't feel right about just doing that and encouraging that as a main target. So, um, but yeah, so coming back to your question, yeah, absolutely. People do ask that question. And, you know, I often say like my first response will usually be like, well, you know, nutritionists can do other things. Like I work with people with a fertility clinic, you know, I help people make babies <laughs> and um, you know, I, things like aesthetic performance. I have got colleagues um, that I work closely with who specialize in skin health or um, cardiovascular health, you know, um, those types of things, like helping people um, with so much more, so much more really than weight loss. Yeah. And what I always say now is that when anybody approaches me about wanting to lose weight, I always, you know, I'm really quite upfront about it. And I do say to potential clients, um, that cannot be the main focus that cannot be the main focus of when we're, what we're, why we're working together. I can help you with so many other things and we can improve your overall health and well-being. We can improve your energy levels. Um, we can improve your relationship with food. I can teach you how the body works and I can teach you how all the different foods that you eat impact your body. So, I mean, that's an interesting thing, right? So the, the diet and um, diet culture often says, you know, if you, you're healthier, if you, navigate the, the weight loss journey right and so it, what I'm hearing you say is that's not necessarily the case right and so I'm wondering what is the actual message that people need to be hearing if it's not that people need to understand how food impacts their body and people need to understand that food is about the nutrients that are in the food and how they how important they are for everything like your body is just an accumulation of chemical reactions right and so all of those chemical reactions need nutrients mm -hmm. um as you know the tools it's like the tools i always say to people like if you think about the macronutrients as the building blocks for your house and then think about the vitamins and minerals or the micronutrients as the tools to do that job to build that house and to keep it all running um then you know hopefully that usually that makes sense to people and then they kind of get it and it's like food is so important for everything there's nothing that happens in their body in your body that doesn't in one way or another 
isn't somehow linked to the foods that you're eating, right? Um, and it's so, so crucial that we get that right and that we focus on the impact on our health rather than the calories and the weight loss. Right. It's interesting, right? People look at somebody and say, oh, if they're in a smaller body, they must be healthy. They must be healthier. And that's not necessarily the case, right? People can be malnourished and their bodies can be very unhealthy, even if they're in a smaller body. Why Absolutely. That's so difficult for people to understand. I think everyone's just been like brainwashed by the diet industry <laughs> and the media. <laughs> we're all, we all, like, it really is because when you explain it to someone, they almost always go, Oh my God, yes, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, how didn't I figure this out for myself? And, and I think to me, that's just a sign that, again, you know, the diet industry has done a really amazing job with their marketing <laughs> and getting us to believe that thin means healthy, right. which is complete nonsense. Like you just said, it's, you know, first of all, somebody could be malnourished um, or, you know, if they're suffering from an eating disorder, then there's a really good chance that there's all sorts of other issues going on in their body. Um, and, you know, there's so many other factors that play a role uh, when it comes to your health. So it's it's ridiculous. It's so, like, simplistic to say, you know, yeah, skinny equals healthy. It really doesn't. But, you know, getting to that, too, as you said, the marketing is so... <laughs> Pervasive, right? It's, it's good. Yeah. I mean, it's brilliant. They're paying these people a lot of money and they're doing a good job. <laughs> but I, I do think the mindset is, you know, it's, it's set, right? And, you know, I'll use a word I don't use on this podcast frequently because I think it's very triggering, right? Um, but I think in the context of talking to you, it's important is the word calories, right? Like I grew up in the era of, you know, this certain number in and certain number out equaled a pound loss, right? And it was stuck in my head. And, you know, I haven't heard that so much anymore, but I have heard, you know, there's these diet influencers and these people online saying this certain amount is like the amount they eat. And they show like, oh, I eat this. This is what I eat in a day. And it's everywhere, right? And people are following this. Um, I think that that's a real hard thing too, is that that's really rampant now. But I also think just in general, things like, like putting calorie count on menus, like what, what do you think about this? I, I have my own opinions, but I'd love to hear what you. <laughs> yeah. I don't love to share. So thanks for asking. <laughs> I mean, when, so in the UK, we only introduced this very recently, um, putting calories on menus. And I definitely shared my opinion about it then. Um, and it was interesting. I got quite a lot of response um, to that when I posted that on social media. So I'll come back to that in a moment. But the first thing I want to say is this, it doesn't work. And we know it doesn't work because it's been done and didn't work. So um, calories on menus were implemented in New York in 2008. That's 14 years ago. So, so just purely like going by the numbers, statistically speaking, we know it's nonsense. We know it doesn't work. So why are we still introducing it now in other places in the world uh, is completely beyond me. Uh, so that's the first thing. It's like, statistically speaking, we know it doesn't work. Uh, why doesn't it work? Uh, I guess researchers suggest that people started to ignore the numbers on the menu. So whilst maybe in the beginning when it's new, people do look at it. After a while, they just kind of ignore it. What they also found was that um, people were actually people ended up like in some some studies they showed that that people ended up eating more because they were having like things that were lower in calories, but then they'd order more of those. <laughs> so um, so that was also quite interesting. Um, so at best, it's not you know it's not useful, it's not relevant. Um, and then, of course, unfortunately, we do have a large population as well um, of people who uh, struggle with eating disorders. And of course, for those people, it's incredibly triggering. But one thing I was thinking about earlier as well um, was about children. And I'm thinking, you know, we've got a large amount of children that are now going into restaurants and having to see that and being taught that that is important, when really for most of them, it's well, for any of them, it shouldn't be relevant. They don't need to be worrying about calories in any way, shape or form. And um, it's really quite scary. So again, like just looking at the UK, um, our National Health Service treated 10,000 children 
for anorexia between April and December last year. That's a huge amount of young people that are going into the healthcare service to be treated for eating disorders. Um, and those numbers are increasing. We know they're increasing. And that's just being completely ignored. So I'm really, really upset about that, to be honest, because it's definitely triggering for people with eating disorders and it's triggering for people who are recovering from eating disorders. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, it's probably encouraging young people to go that direction if they're already maybe, you know, borderline going that way. So, yeah, there you go. That's a, sorry, very long answer there. <laughs> no, but what I mean, that's so true. I'm just trying to even imagine myself you know, back when I had my eating disorder, I can't even imagine going to a restaurant and how that would have affected me. Like, I I, I would have had a panic attack. I can't even yeah. imagine, just like you said, the triggering alone and just even somebody in early recovery coming out of, you know, a treatment center and like going to a restaurant for the first time, that would... Absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I don't know how to combat it because, you know, I live here in California and it's at every restaurant pretty much um right yeah so um anyone listening right like <laughs> feel you so um we we get it yeah absolutely I think you know it is triggering even for someone that's already recovered right it's still it's just still like it just you know it can make you feel uncomfortable just seeing that number can actually make you feel uncomfortable even if you're able to then kind of still make a sensible decision and go actually I'm going to ignore that it still might be tricky. Well, and, and, and even if somebody doesn't have an eating disorder, you know, it could even spark conversation at the table amongst people about like, oh, I'm not going to get that. Or, you know, it could bring up a whole bunch of diet talk, which could be very uncomfortable and ruin a meal, I would imagine. Absolutely. Like <laughs> you just want to enjoy. Surely, you know, this is what I always say. Obviously, being a nutritionist, I am biased and I do talk a lot about the nutrients that are in the food and how they impact our body and our blood sugar balance and those kind of things. I do get excited about and I talk about that a lot. But I'm also really always emphasizing that food is not just nutrition either. Right. You know, it's definitely not just calories, but it's not just nutrition either. Uh, food is socializing and it's celebrating and you know it's really really important that we understand as well it's quite normal for human beings to also sometimes comfort eat that's just a normal response um that's to do with the fact right that when we're born the first thing that happens is that we're fed by a primary caregiver mm -hmm. so immediately we've got these neuronal pathways being formed um that make us feel right food equals feeling safe feelings you know feeling looked after feeling cared for feeling loved so of course we're going to you know sometimes eat for comfort and that's okay <laughs> right and that's absolutely fine there's nothing wrong with that so I think it's just you know yeah the last thing I want to be doing when I'm out for dinner with friends or family is having a discussion about calories like it really winds me up <laughs> so I'm just like please let's not but yeah that's the first thing I was going to say the other thing I was going to say is that when this happened in the UK and I posted about it on social media I had so many people respond and say thank you so much for sharing because I think I shared something like count your colors not not your calories mm. and I just basically said as a nutritionist let me just tell you this is nonsense please ignore it please focus on the colors that you're eating eating whole foods you know doing things that are good for you focusing on that rather than forget like don't even look at the calories on the menu if you can um loads and loads of people responded and said thank you so much like that's really reassuring that you've just said that but I did have a couple of people who said actually I find this really helpful so you know maybe for some people having the calories if they've really got like no understanding at all of the different energy values of foods maybe for them it could be helpful so I'm not you know I'm just I guess I'm just trying to say like there's maybe maybe there's a silver lining there maybe it's good for like a small percentage of the population and maybe for them it's helpful because we're also not saying that calories are that, that completely irrelevant like it's not bad to have a general understanding that certain foods contain more you know energy than others like that's not a bad thing in itself is it right it's just about when that's all we're focusing on and we become completely obsessed with it when it becomes problematic right it does kind of give the notion that like the only thing that matters about food is the calorie content when like you're saying there's so much more to it there's like the vitamins the minerals like 
how it impacts absolutely the comfort the taste the experience the social blood sugar balance right like also all of that it's like you know because that's the thing like let's be real right if people are counting calories it's because they want to lose weight that's the only reason that anybody would want to count calories and what they don't understand is that actually not all calories are equal so, of course, you also need to look at the fiber content, the protein content and all of those things. So when you're working with people, do they get more of an understanding of how their bodies like function taking in certain foods versus like, oh, it's just about I need to manage the calories and start. Do you see a shift in them? hundred percent. Okay. Literally, like one of my clients told me yesterday that it changed her life. She's been working with me for three months and she literally said that changed her life. She's got a completely different outlook now. Like now when she looks at food, she looks at what am I going to get from this food? Like what that's good for me. That's going to help me feel better. That's going to improve my energy levels. That's going to improve my mood. Um, that's going to improve my athletic performance. Um, so she looks at it that way rather than what should I not be eating so that I can lose weight. <laughs> So her mindset has shifted to health focus versus weight focus and also understanding that food is so crucial and so good for you when you eat, when you make the right choices and that that's actually a real, like an act of self-care, like looking after yourself and nourishing your body uh, shouldn't be, you shouldn't be coming from a restrictive mindset well, and I think that's interesting, right? So, like, um, people choose these "quote unquote" diet foods, right? Um, that are low to no calorie, right? Like diet cokes or these things. And in the quest of saying, "Well, I'm healthier," right? Um, or you know, again, they're in smaller bodies or they're trying to lose weight, right? But are they really healthier? Like, what are they actually doing to their bodies choosing those like alternative? quote unquote, diet foods that are deemed more, quote unquote, healthy? I mean, absolutely terrible. <laughs> so one of the things that I always say when people start working with me is this. I always say everything's okay in moderation. Everything. Because I don't want to come at it from a restrictive mindset, right? There are very few things that I will tell people not to have. Everything else, I'll always say, have loads of fat, have this in moderation, <laughs> that will help you with your health goals, right? Depending on what that is, whether that's inflammation or that's fertility, or like I said earlier, right? All these different things that we can work with. So that's different for each person, of course. And then there's very few things, though, that I would say not to have. <laughs> um, and those are the, like one of those things, or probably the only thing that I will say not to have is those diet foods, like you know, Coke Zero, um, those types of things. Um, why do I say that? One, they have, you know, very poor or in some cases, no nutritional value. So at best, you're now putting something in your body that it gives you nothing. It has no value. Your body cannot utilize any of the things that are in it. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's just like a waste. Um, so because of their lack of nutritional value, I just don't think there's any point. Secondly, they do contain large amounts of artificial colors, flavors, artificial sweeteners, preservatives. So again, all of those ingredients, at best, your body doesn't know what to do with them. They're artificial. They are not things that your body can utilize. And, you know, the jury's out on the damage that they could potentially do, but you know, there's more and more, I think, people looking into that. And um, I did see, um, I think it was a study done um, in the UK on, to be fair, it was done on mice. So, you know, it's not like a human study yet, but with artificial sweeteners, they definitely found that there was a correlation with artificial sweeteners and um, poor gut microbiome. So the artificial sweeteners seem to have a negative impact on the good bacteria that live in our gut that are so crucial for our immune system and so many other things, right? 
Um, so like I said, at worst, having these things might even be bad for you. At best, it's just a complete waste. Like, why would you do that? Why would you just put something in your body that's just like rubbish? It doesn't do any good. Um, so, so no, I'm not a huge fan at all of any sort of diet or weight loss products uh, for that reason. And I never recommend them. I'm just imagining people saying, yeah, but it's, it does. It fills my stomach. It's got no nothing to it exactly that's the whole point right I feel full on something that you know has zero calories. doesn't have any calories yeah <laughs> the whole point um but you know to your point it can actually potentially do some harm to like you said your gut biomes and things like that like yeah. um so you were saying that that's that's important for things like your immune system and um yeah, your, your mental health, right. there's a link between our gut health now and our mental health. So, you know, people who are suffering from things like anxiety, uh, you know, they might want to consider that. Like, is that worth it? Um, and then also, again, let's let's be real as well. Like, these products have been around for a long time. Like, they're not new and um, they clearly don't work for weight loss anyway. So, yeah, I just don't see, I don't see a lot of value in them. And I definitely much rather put things in my body that it can actually utilize for good and, you know, build new cells and hormones and those types of things that are so important and support my gut microbiome. <laughs> you said something really important just then, right? So all these things that are quote unquote, like common, commonly known, right? Like for what, with the goals that everyone seems to have that, that, I asked you about that they go to you for that they actually think I can help them with, which I don't, which is like, <laughs> smaller and losing weight, like exercise more, eat less, less calories, less this, right? They don't work. Um, so in that too, right? Like, again, focusing on that horrible word, I hate calories. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the same thing. It's always about reducing calories in whatever way they can, whether it's eating less or similarly, like, exercising moving more um yeah let's talk about that for a minute <laughs> do you, you know that's that's also everywhere too like if you're wearing an apple watch or you go you do try to work out just for the sake of movement right i mean it's you go on a machine and it tells you like this is what you burned right so it's like that too it's like making calories so important and like they matter more than anything and um what why aren't we talking about what happens when people actually work out really hard? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, no, it's a fascinating topic. So my message is always, yes, exercise is good for you. Movement is good for you. Absolutely. The human body was designed to move and find a form of movement that you enjoy find something that you really like right there are so many things you could be doing right uh, you can be going for walks you can be swimming you can do yoga you can go dancing um, you can do crossfit <laughs> you can you know go cycling um, like it's just you know like horse riding like this the, the list is endless right there's so many things that you could be doing you can go hula hoop um get a skipping rope go on a trampoline <laughs> just like it doesn't matter like find something that you enjoy and do that because that's going to be great for your physical and mental health um that's the first thing the second thing is that um what's typically traditionally has been promoted for like supporting people with weight loss is the, like, the cardio and then counting the calories that you're burning that is so outdated like we know so much better so the research is there the studies are there showing that that doesn't make sense and i'll explain why in a second and yet it's still being promoted everywhere right so why doesn't it make sense because the body is really intelligent the human body is extremely intelligent if you think about it we've been on this planet for a while right like we're not new here <laughs> so over the past like hundreds and thousands of years that we've evolved on this planet for the majority of the time that we've been here we had to work really hard to find food we had to work really hard to like you know 
survive in the wild, like running away from wild animals. And, you know, maybe like if we're going all the way back, like fighting off some other, you know, some other caveman. <laughs> um, and, you know, we had to go and like find food or like hunt and then, you know, gather food and all of those things. Um, so the body is so smart. Like when we expend a lot of energy, especially if you do, if we do that on a regular basis, the body finds ways to, to reduce the energy that we use for other tasks. And it has to do that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here because we wouldn't have survived because of what I just explained. Up until very recently in human history, it was tough for us, right, physically. <laughs> so in order for us to be able to survive, the body did this really smart thing with this adaptation where, like I just said, when we are spending more energy on a regular basis, and that could be the equivalent now to like high-intensity cardio exercise, it will actively reduce the amount of calories that are needed for other tasks. So the body can up or down regulate your basal metabolic rate, right? Which is the amount of calories that you're burning, even if you were doing nothing. So a lot of energy is needed just to keep your brain working, your heart pumping, your lungs working, your liver's doing its thing. Like, you know, all of these things are happening in the body. Even if you were if you were on the sofa all day doing nothing, you'd still be using up a lot of energy for those things. Um, so that's your basal metabolic rate, right? The amount of calories that you would need to survive or that you would burn on a daily basis, even if you were doing nothing. And the body can up and down regulate that significantly, depending on whether you're spending lots of energy elsewhere. So that means um, that if you're doing lots of cardio exercise, especially on a regular basis, the body will very quickly adapt and start slowing down elsewhere um, so that it that your overall calorie expenditure kind of remains the same, basically, whatever your body has set, what, that th what it thinks that you can survive on. Um, that's also, that depends a little bit on, you know, how regularly you're eating. And this is also why if you're doing lots of intense cardio and counting calories and eating a very low calorie diet, your body is going to become amazing at reducing the calories that it needs. And you're going to start burning less and less. And you will actually find that, you know, you might lose a bit of weight to start with, and then it'll stall. And the other thing that of course then happens is that the moment you start eating quote unquote normally again <laughs> you will put that weight back on really quickly because now you've downregulated your basal metabolic rate so the amount of calories that you're burning has significantly reduced and so one of the studies that i was referring to earlier that showed this actually showed that in some people the result was that only 54% of the calories burned by exercise or activity were actually uh, still like used at the end of the day. So the body had downregulated the basal metabolic rate and other tasks um, throughout the day so that by the end of the day, the calories burned in that activity, only half of those calories burned had actually been used, if that makes sense. So it's quite significant. So if people didn't do all that like high intensity cardio, would it have made much of a difference in terms of like the calories their body used during the day? So, so no, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like only 50, only around half of the calories that they thought they burned in that, in that high intensity cardio would have actually been used by the end of the day. Um, and of course, there's you know you, there's only so many <laughs> calories you can burn on a treadmill anyway. <laughs> like it's quite you know it's quite intense. So this is not a smart thing to do. Now, as I said earlier, for me the key with exercise is like find a form of movement you enjoy. Mm -hmm. So if you love running, great, like go running, like do that, but don't do it to burn the calories. It's nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. So what would you say? Because like you know I've had other experts on here before, and you know we find that. I just had someone on and lots of studies showing like weight loss and health are not correlated. So what would you say to that? Like health and weight aren't related. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree to an extent, right? Like obviously, like I will say this. So again, you know, I work with a fertility clinic mm -hmm. and the truth is that, um, you know, if you're over a certain weight, I'm not even gonna I don't even want to say BMI obviously it is body mass index that we look at from a from a national health service perspective but 
I don't always think that's accurate <laughs> because obviously if somebody again if somebody's very muscular their BMI is going to be very high that doesn't mean that they're actually overweight in an unhealthy in an unhealthy way or that they're, that they're not overweight right and so it's just a very simplistic way of looking at it I would say like you can't say that they don't relate at all they do but One, it's not always the case because weight is just one factor that doesn't even look at is that muscle or is that, you know, body fat that we're looking at. Like the scale doesn't tell you that. <laughs> And it doesn't really tell you anything about what's going on inside that person's body. So there's definitely people who maybe would be considered overweight if we're looking at BMI, but they're actually super healthy. And then equally, there are people that are supposedly, you know, quote unquote, healthy weight, and actually, they might have loads of health problems. So it's a very simplistic way of looking at it. Yeah, because I can imagine someone listening, like getting really triggered with these terms, obese, overweight, underweight, BMI. Um, and I'm just wondering if it's more of like, is it really the weight? Or is it more like, Even, regardless of what the actual numbers is it more like risk factors like blood pressure or like yes. other things to look at and people are saying oh it must be because of your weight that that's the risk factor versus saying like even if somebody's got a much less you know their weight's much less but their blood pressure is high wouldn't that put them at risk regardless of whatever they weigh I see your point and I think you're right so it's probably the other things that we associate typically with people being overweight that are the risk factors more than the weight itself I think that's a really good way of putting it actually because I think that's that's what I'm finding is like people are saying oh if they have high blood pressure and they just so happen to be in a larger body then they associate it with well if you lose weight then it's the weight that's the the risk factor versus it's the high blood pressure and if somebody's in a smaller body and they have a high blood pressure they're not telling them to lose weight they're saying right yes they're not blaming it on their weight and i so see what you mean it's a weight bias thing right it is a weight bias and actually a really important thing that i want to share too at this point again coming back to my work with the fertility clinic yeah. i do get quite a few sort of referrals where women have been sent to me because they want to have fertility treatment but they've been told they not eligible because of their weight mm. and then when the moment that they hear that they obviously try and just do anything that they can to drop the weight and they do that in very very unhealthy ways mm -hmm. and so I'm really grateful for anyone that you know gets sent my way and I can kind of <laughs> stop that before it's too late because really what they're doing is yes they're dropping the weight but actually they're doing it in such an unhealthy way that they're risking they're reducing their chances of you know fertility and healthy pregnancy in the process because obviously pregnancy is hugely demanding on the female body and so what you really don't want to do is deplete all of your nutrient stores before you get pregnant and have a baby you want to do the opposite right you want to make sure that your body is in the best possible place which has not just there's not not just relating to weight right it's a, to do with the nutrients that you need in order to sustain a healthy pregnancy and for baby's growth and development and so that's really really important and actually that's a you know that's probably a message that I'd like to share just like with, with anyone listening that, you know, when it comes to fertility, like, yes, you might be told to, that you have to lose weight, but make sure that you do that in a way that is sustainable. And that means that you're still healthy and you're still preparing your body for pregnancy. And I love that you said that because I think what I'm hearing you say is it's really more a matter of maybe not focusing on the weight loss, but really getting somebody's body to a place, whether they're, whatever their weight is to begin with before pregnancy to a place where it's, you know, hospitable to carrying a pregnancy and to, you know, creating a baby and for them to be healthy and the baby to be healthy. Right. Um, That's it. Because I, I hate hearing when people say like, gosh, you know, I have to eat. I've been told I have to reduce my caloric intake when I'm pregnant because I'm in a larger body. I'm going, well, how are you going to create a baby that's healthy? Like your body is going to get the bones leached and like, you're just going to be so, un your body is going to be damaged by this pregnancy if you're not feeding it enough. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, that's the scary part for me to hear because I'm going, what, what happens to you, <laughs> right? 
Is yeah, there like absolutely. A that the body needs when you're pregnant? Of course. Right? Of course. Yeah, no, it's crucial. <laughs> absolutely important. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I think that's important for people to understand that, again, yeah, unfortunately, we do live in this world where there's such a big focus just on weight and so little talk about actual health. Well, I'm just curious because you do work in that. Do you find that it is just such a weight bias? It's like someone just is told because they're in this category that they're, they're, I guess, risk factors or their diagnoses are due to their size versus like, hey, you just have diabetes or you have high blood pressure, or you have this, and they're not really looking at anything else. I mean, definitely. Yeah, there's definitely you know, people that I speak to that have been sort of through, again, you know, dealing with our National Health Service, which is an amazing, you know, I really love the UK National Health Service. I'm really grateful for them. Many of my friends are doctors and nurses, huge respect for them. <laughs> um, so I don't want to say anything negative about it. But unfortunately, it's true that, you know, that it's those, it's those numbers. It's literally like those numbers. It's like, this is your BMI. So you're not eligible for the fertility treatment. So go and eat. Like I've had people come to me who've been told by a doctor, not the fertility clinic I work with, other doctors, mm. that have been told to eat 800 calories a day oh my to God. drop the weight. Wow. What? You, what do you think about that? I have all sorts of ideas in my Shocking. head. Right what is that? Shocking. No, absolutely shocking. I couldn't believe when I was told that. Absolutely shocking. There's no way that you can lose weight healthily doing that. Uh, it's never going to be sustainable. You're going to be absolutely miserable. It's so unhealthy. You're definitely going, there's no way you can get all the nutrients you need on, on a diet that is, you know, that low in calories. There's no way. That's to me, I'm thinking that's beyond starvation and yeah. So much damage can be done to the body. Um, yeah. Like, do you speak to that a little bit? Like, what can actually, what damage can actually be done to the body when somebody eats that little? I mean, one of the areas that I also specialize in is like nutrition and mental health and energy levels. And obviously, the first thing that's going to happen is that people are going to be exhausted all of the time. They're going to be very tired because, like I just said, the body is so intelligent and it can adapt and it can downregulate the. Um, calories it needs but it does that by shutting down systems that it you know doesn't think are necessary for survival so one of those is your reproductive system so that's an issue for a start because you really don't want to be negatively impacting that when you're on a fertility journey <laughs> that makes no sense then the second thing as I was saying earlier is like you're going to be tired because your body will be telling you to rest because you're not having enough food um so you're going to struggle with your energy levels and when I say struggle like I don't just mean like a little bit tired you're going to be fatigued um it's going to really impact your mental health in a couple of ways one is that obviously we need certain nutrients for um, hormone and neurotransmitter production so um, things like serotonin and melatonin so um, you know serotonin has so many roles in the body but many people know it as like the feel-good hormone right um, so that's going to really negatively impact your mood um, and melatonin which regulates our circadian rhythm so our sleep-wake cycle um, I get so many people I will say particularly I work mostly with women I do work with men as well but so many women that go on very low calorie diets whether it's for fertility or other reasons and they can't sleep they end up with uh, insomnia and I'm like well obviously because <laughs> you know you're no longer able to produce enough melatonin because you're not eating enough um, of the right foods and then your body can't regulate its circadian rhythm so you are going to struggle to fall asleep in the evening that's quite normal um, and then of course that has huge knock-on effects because sleep is so fundamental it's like so foundational to so many other areas of our health um, so yeah I could probably go on all day but just to you know give you a little taste like these are some of the things that I typically see in clinic when people go on these very, very low sort of um, very low calorie diets that really, like you said, you know, that's starvation mode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking that you'd be diagnosing somebody with an eating disorder at that point. That's not, yeah. Good. I mean, somebody cannot survive that long on that low. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's absolutely terrible. Right. 
So, I mean, it's, it's shocking to me that someone would actually be told to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I was shocked. Yeah, I was absolutely shocked when I was told that. I mean, that's pres- to me, that's prescribing an eating disorder. I don't know. <laughs> it is. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Anyway, audience, I'm shocked. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but I, I think there needs to be more dialogue about all of this, because I think that there are mixed messages, not just from social media, but the medical field. And um, I think the more, you know, people like you do talk about this and are helping people and giving the right information. Um, we do need like thousands of more of you out there helping people and giving the right information and, you know, helping people understand that when they do eat food, how it does impact their bodies and help them, you know, with their, men- it helps everything, right? Their mental health, their endocrine system, their immune systems, like not to fear foods, um, because I think that's a lot of it. It's like they see foods and they just think, oh, this is going to do such bad things to me versus, like you said, the goal of health and well-being. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, my my, I think I'd love to just like, I think my goal in life is to just get people excited about eating healthy foods. Like I just, I just love like when somebody goes, oh my God, I just, you know, that's something that you taught me about this type of like, you know, food or this food group and that what it does. And now I get excited whenever I eat that. Um, I think that's really what I would like people to, yeah, to think and hear when they look at food. Mm-hmm. So if you were to, to describe, um, you know, a goal for somebody who says, I want to have like this, um, I guess, healthy lifestyle and and feel well like what would that look like because I think most people think like that means eating healthy and exercising right like it's so much more than that like what how would you describe that yeah I love that question so yeah so there's you know all these different elements and there's so many things of course you can do but if you wanted to kind of summarize it I guess yes of course again I'm a nutritionist of course I would say start with eating a whole foods diet a balanced diet making sure that you're getting all of your nutrients um definitely sleep like I said earlier sleep is so foundational and quite often people will come and see me in clinic and one of the questions that I asked them in, during the consultation is, how's your sleep? Mm. Um, and then I explain. Then I say, you know, you might be wondering, like, you're a nutritionist. Why are you asking me about my sleep? Well, that's because if your sleep isn't good, you are not going to be utilizing all of the nutrients that you're eating from the foods that I'm telling you to eat. Um, it's going to be impacting the hormones that control your hunger and appetite and satiety. So, you know, it's going to be like, just like a bit of a roller coaster for you, um, which is again, completely normal. But, you know, once people understand that, or again, like if I'm working with people on energy levels, like no point me telling you to eat more green leafy vegetables to improve your energy levels. If you're not sleeping, like <laughs> that's fix that first. Right. But, and again, it's one of those things where people go, Oh yeah. Like that's so obvious. Why didn't I think of that? So yeah, make sure you've got a great sleep routine. And again, I could be here all day, but by that, I mean, you know, that you're getting a good amount of hours every night. And actually often that starts with our morning routine because that has a bigger impact again on our circadian rhythm than what we do in the evening. So getting that right, looking at sleep, um, making sure that during the day, whatever it is that you do, and I know many of us lead such stressful lives, you know, especially like, you know, like us single working moms, like we've got a lot on, but make sure that you take some breaks. And some real breaks, not just like scrolling on your phone, but actual breaks. And that could be, you know, just looking out the window for a few minutes, picking up a book or a magazine, maybe, you know, calling a friend to have a chat. Or maybe even you want to take it a little bit further and do some breathing exercises or short meditation. Like those are all things that have been shown in numerous, you know, studies as well to be really beneficial for our health and well-being. So you know, if we can include those sort of mindful breaks, combining that with something like breathing exercises and meditation, even better. So that would be the next step for sure, taking breaks. Um, 
definitely moving your body, like I said, but it doesn't have to be about exercise for burning calories. It's actually about moving the body because, again, that's what it was designed to do. And sitting down for long hours at a desk is definitely not great for us. So if that is the job that you're in, then even more important to find something that you love. Um, and again, maybe that's something if you're busy that you can do at home, doing like a short yoga session in the evening. Yeah, something along those lines. Um and the other two things I would always say are one, spending more time outdoors, spending more time in nature. And again, you know, if you're lucky enough, like myself, to live near a beach, brilliant. But otherwise, you know, go to your local park, um, go for a walk in the forest, you know, anything that you can do, like find some greenery and, you know, get outdoors um, at least once a day if you can, right? It's so important. And then the final thing, and I wonder, you know, I wouldn't be able to put these like in order of priority. I wouldn't know which one of these is more important. And maybe that depends on the person as well. But one of the things that I've really discovered for my own health as, as well um, in the last few years is like the importance of spending time with people that you love or animals. <laughs> Pets count as well. <laughs> but, you know, ideally, you know, like people, like your friends, your family, making sure that you've got like, you know, we would again, like, when you look back at human evolution, like we didn't survive on this planet on our own. <laughs> we did survive in packs and groups of people. And so for that reason, I think it's incredibly important. It's so hardwired into us that we need to have good, like solid, strong relationships. And that's relationships with, you know, with your children, uh, with your partner, if you have one, but also your friends, for sure, you know, um, the people you work out with. <laughs> um, like that, I think, is so, so important and often, like, underestimated. Again, like you said, so many people think, oh, healthy lifestyle, eat well or eat less, <laughs> exercise more. Uh, but really, you know, again, that's such a simplistic, like, hyper-simplified way of looking at it. And there's so much more to it. And I think the relationships that we have with the people around us are definitely a really crucial part. Absolutely. No, I love that because, I mean, if the pandemic didn't teach us anything. It was definitely, you know, how important social connections and how we're social animals, I mean, first and foremost so yeah absolutely so yeah so those are sort of my key things I guess my key takeaways after you know from everything that I've learned over the years <laughs> well you know I know you're in the UK I'm here in the US but I know we've got listeners everywhere so if anyone does want to work with you and then they might you know call you from here who knows um how can people get a hold of you how can they find you on you know social media because I mean like I said you have been fantastic feed um I love it so how can people find you oh thank you so much yeah no absolutely I do actually have clients I've got clients in the US I've got clients in Canada and Australia as well so I definitely work internationally um and uh yeah love for people to follow me on Instagram so I'm sure you're going to link that uh below um but yeah it's canal underscore nutrition and of course people can have a look at my website as well um there's a free guide to nutrition and mental health um that I'd love for people to have a look at um to get started uh and if anybody's interested in working with with me I always first step is to just kind of reach out let's do a quick discovery call just to get to know each other make sure that we're a good fit that you know we like each other that's important I think um and then you know then I obviously explain to people how I work and answer any questions that they haven't make sure that that's what they're looking for and that that's right for them awesome well thank you so much this has been such a pleasure you've given such great information um any last final words before we end just no again just thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you thank you this podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered it is given with the understanding that neither the host the publisher or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.